Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 168. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing the original series, second season episodes, by any other name, The Omega Glory and The Ultimate Computer. Here we go. By Any Other Name, Season 2, Episode 22, Production Code 050, Original Air Date, February 23, 1968, Directed by Mark Daniels, Story by Jerome Bixby, Teleplay by DC Fontana and Jerome Bixby, Music Composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Barbara Boucher as Kalinda, Warren Stevens as Rogan, Stuart Moss as Hanar, Robert Fortier as Tomar, Leslie Dalton as Drea, Carl Bird as Lieutenant Shea, Julie Cobb as Yeoman Thompson, Frank Da Vinci as Lieutenant Brent, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Lieutenant Leslie, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The Enterprise responds to a distress call from a planet, an uncharted planet. A landing party beams down to locate the source and finds a human man and woman, Rojan and Kendala of, Kelvin, of the Kelvin Empire, who paralyze Kirk and the landing party and order Kirk to surrender the Enterprise. Rojan tells Kirk that the Kelvins originate from the Andromeda Galaxy and have come to find planets suitable for conquest in the Milky Way Galaxy. The Kelvins have superior intellectual capacity. To achieve it, they've apparently sacrificed anything which would tend to distract them. Perceptive senses such as taste, touch, smell, and of course, emotions. But then Tomar shouldn't be enjoying the taste of his food. Yes, quite correct, Captain. But they have taken human form and are therefore having human reaction. Steve, why don't you kick us off and buy any other name? I basically remember this one as the one where they kind of seduce and get drunk and all that to these people to try to overthrow them. It's kind of odd how if they're this advanced and so on, you know, it's really it's just a matter of trickery to uh, get these guys to totally foil the plot of these intergalactic aliens or whatever but um i think there's some entertaining uh, parts certainly and uh, some iconic moments like with scotty and the uh, green alcohol thing and uh, of course kirk gets to seduce the woman and so on and so forth the styrofoam um objects that people turn into and get crushed i mean a lot of those things i those images i remember well from this episode as far as the the whole episode and how well it stands up. Um, I don't know. You know, I it's I kind of don't feel particularly strongly about this in any any one way or the other. I guess as all opposed those... to the next two episodes we'll be discussing today. Well, you yeah. know, it's all relative, I suppose. No, I meant each of the next two. I feel pretty strongly about. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, which way you feel? Gotcha. Yep. Um, so yeah, this is kind of just. Um, it's there, and like I said, I, there's a lot of imagery I remember and moments I remember from it. But as a as a coherent whole, I don't have much feeling about it. I guess I did write down talk about Kirk and seducing. I I think I got his line. I was trying to quote his lines and take my notes. I wrote, "Find some way to stimulate their senses. I'll work on the blonde." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that was his line. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah I'm sure. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> Um, Adam, your your uh, first thoughts here. Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty pretty similar to um, to Steve on how I felt about this episode. I think sequentially the episodes get better. I think this one was the weakest. Next one's better, and the third one, at least in my opinion. Wait, 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 wait. You think um, you liked Omega Glory better than this one? I think so. 
Okay. All right. I think so. And I'll tell you why when we get to that one. But, um, and so part of the reason that I didn't, I mean, this one kind of, first of all, I, my memories of this are, it had, there's a lot of visual memories from this episode. So I remember it pretty vividly too. when I started watching it and I remember first times I saw it as, as a kid and that kind of thing. I remember the, um, the image of the Andromeda galaxy I always thought was cool because I'm, you know, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old or whatever. When I was watching these, I probably didn't really know what other galaxies were. So I remember that image of the Andromeda galaxy in this episode. And I, and I enjoyed the, um, revisual visualization of it and the, you know, remastered stuff. So, and yeah, you do have the, I remember the little styrofoam, people and that kind of stuff so i uh, there's a lot about this episode i do remember but i also kind of it's kind of blah it's kind of starts off interesting and then it just kind of drags i think a lot and i think maybe the story in this one's better but the action and the entertainment of the next episode is better if that makes sense i think for me this is a pretty middle of the road episode i don't dislike it i don't love it it's pretty middle of the road it has enough moments that it's worth it to me. I, I I I literally laugh out loud at one spot, and I do remember doing it before. But when McCoy kind of nods off Spock from waking, you know, Spock like opens his eyes a little bit to see, in the sick bay to see if he should wake up yet, and McCoy gives him a little nod, like <laughs> somehow McCoy's nod is the funniest thing to me. <laughs> Not watching it without but I I think what what keeps this episode working for me it keeps it entertaining for me i do have like a palpable sense for how helpless kirk is for the most part like every time uh they turn crew members into those little balls or there's there one scene maybe when when kirk's in in the corridor and he sees a bunch of them and then that the Ro, he meets up with rojan rojan rogan what's his name rojan yes i think i really think so and you really feel like there's nothing Kirk can do. Um, and I do feel that. I think that's effective. And I think that keeps me uh, watching in a weird way. Yeah, you definitely get how, I mean, his emotion comes through. And especially when they kill the, you know, when they first turn him in styrofoams and they crush one of them and one of them's dead. You see that kind uh Probably more so, I mean, or at least one of the stronger moments of that kind of feeling coming through in the whole series when crew members die. He's just, you know, it's just, he's just this stunned look or something, you know, and he's upset. And then, like like you said, he's going through the corridors of the ship and seeing that. And he's just, yeah, beside himself. Yeah, I think that's different for him. You know, he has no control. He had no control over how that crew, you know, if it had been different, if they had been in a phaser battle or something like that, he'd still be upset. That a crew member died, but in this situation, it was such a helpless feeling. There was nothing that he could do. Mm-hmm. We see another one of those. I remember the last time we saw Spock try and sort of mind meld through a wall. I think mm. I made a comment like, does he ever do this again? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah. And here he is. wrong, sir. I was wrong, yes. He, he At least he attempts to do it here. Um, and he is foiled. I'm not sure oh. they... Yeah, no, they, they explain it. Maybe not with great detail, but uh, he is stopped. The, uh, um, was that, um, Kendla? Yeah, her hair is, um, I found, I had a note on that. It's an interesting weave they had going on there. I don't know why I noticed that. Interesting costume. She looked good in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I noticed that. <laughs> I kind of like the opening. It's almost, I think it, it's almost funny. It's like Kirk is, 
we're responding to your distress signal. And the other guy's in Rochan's kind of like, thanks, now surrender your ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Um, I had down, um, McCoy had that interesting pose. He's just pointing at Spock. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what kind of conversation were they having right as he was telling him to surrender and all that? Yeah. I was a little confused about the whole 300 years bit. Like, even at warp, where they're going takes 300 years? Is that what they're saying? Or, yeah, they, I guess, yeah, sure, because it's, it's, across, cause it's across galaxy or whatever. It's out of the galaxy into another galaxy, I guess, but... Are they going like to the Delta Quadrant or something? That would no, that's not even no a different years. galaxy altogether. Okay, yeah, the Andromeda okay. Galaxy. And that's right. why it's so ridiculous or whatever. Yeah. I see. So not Alpha Beta Charlie or Delta. No. A whole another galaxy with its own Alpha Beta Charlie. And Delta. Right. I see. Uh, and then what was the bit about? So the, their plan. I was I was confused. Their plan is that they're gonna spend 300 years going to Andromeda. And then fetch all of their people, and then come back and take over. Yeah, I guess this I guess. galaxy. Yeah, yeah and then, you know, and then they weren't going to survive the trip, so their offspring would do it. There weren't too many of them. I guess they had two pairs. And what what, what was their plan for whatever the fifteen or twenty crew members that they didn't turn into little balls? Were they supposed to reproduce? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a bit unclear, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe when they die, they reappear twenty more balls. Oh no! Maybe maybe when you're a ball, you're, it's like suspended animation. There so they keep those fifteen around until they die, and then they just open up another fifteen. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That'd more than get you there if you got four hundred and mm-hmm. about four hundred little balls in the ship. Yeah. Although, if, we, if that was the plan to keep them around for three hundred years, I'd probably. I'd probably shovel them up or something. Maybe put them somewhere other than just leave them in the hallway. Yeah, that's what I was I was thinking. Model labeled them too. Yeah. You gotta know what you're getting. You know. Right. You don't want to reanimate. Oh, this is just the cook, and I needed a pilot. But how would, how would you know after you've shrunk them? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they got some yeah. kind of system we just don't see. Maybe these Kelvins did not plan this out very well. Which mm. is funny because I th- I get the impression they've been on that planet for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably had lots of time to plan it out, and yet. Weren't able to. They're too busy looking at flowers, Brian. Right. Well, it was a nice flower. Did any, was there a scene in this episode that stuck out to you guys that you enjoyed? The uh, green beverage. Yeah, that, yeah. Reference that, Steve. You remember that one? Yeah, I always remember that and how how emotional and crazy he gets with his old bottle of scotch. And then I also remember how they reference it later in a next gen episode too. The the green thing. I think if if I read correctly in my research, this is one of the only times, if not the only time, we see Scotty's quarters. Oh, per- yeah, perhaps. Not showing all those times when he's taking ladies back, you know, I guess. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so I'll go ahead and say that for me, this episode is in the middle of the day. I'll let you guess which I preferred, uh, Ultimate Computer or Omega Glory. <laughs> But one of those I liked a lot and one I didn't. So if this one is in the middle for me, it sounds like uh, it's on the bottom for Adam. And Steve, you're probably with me. Yeah, I'd say so, middle. Yep. Uh, what is this episode about? I guess this episode is that your omnipotence isn't always the right course. I don't know. They, you know, they, the Their humanity humbled them. I don't know, that's kind of a stretch. 
What did you have down, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's the yeah the the you can't deny your biology in a way. <laughs> I mean, if they they take human form, so another line that I think I tried on a high school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It didn't work. Didn't work. No, no, no. So yeah, they they basically they're gonna if you're gonna be human, you have to accept what goes along with that, and you're vulnerable to seduction and inebriation and jealousy. Indeed. Uh, was it weird at all? Like the ending of this, the wrap up in this episode always seems. I did make a note. Quick wrap at the end. Yeah, of the it's, it's kind of fast. And maybe slightly unsatisfying, although the one interesting thing about it is that it feels different than so many other episodes of the original series, and it feels different from maybe what you expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I mean, they they still have a nice fist fight. Well, I mean, not Kirk and Rojan, two other strangers. That we never <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that but, right. Uh, there is a fight, but at the end of it, it seems like kind of a peaceful solution the Federation will help you or Starfleet will help you relocate and everything will be fine. It does seem like no repercussions whatsoever for the uh, woman, the red shirt that they killed at the beginning. No mention of there. Is that, is that weird at all? I almost feel like that's weird. I noticed it too, but I guess, how are you going to fix that at the end? Um, yeah, we're going to help you out, but you're going to stand trial for this. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I thought the same thing, Brian, but, it's certainly not the first time that yeah. deaths get kind of swept away, and they, you know. I mean, I think we're gonna talk about that again with another episode today. So it kind of, you know, we just, you know, it's the end of the episode. It just gets kind of swept under the rug. All right. Well, let's do six degrees for by any other name. Adam. Yes. Stuart Moss plays Hanar, the Kelvin that McCoy enjoys injecting with shots. He previously played Joe Tormelin in the first season's The Naked Time. Tormelin kicks off the Enterprise's troubles by getting infected. How? Getting infected how? I probably should know this. In The Naked Time, very beginning of the episode. How does he get infected? And then, he, of course, he ends up giving it to everybody else in the ship. But he, doesn't, he does not get infected on the ship. That's the, gets that's infected the on the planet. Yeah, but how? Does he get pinpricked by a dangerous plant? Nope. Steve? Yeah, I think they they have space suits on, and then he like touches something, then he reaches under his face hood and like scratches himself or his nose or something, and so he gets gets infected yep. that way. Real brainiac, that one. He mm-hmm. infects himself. That's right. He takes his glove off, and then he scratches his nose. Uh, Steve has one. Steve, a reference is made, and I'm giving you this one because you brought it up. A reference is made to this episode in Next Gen's Relics when a Next Gen crew member comments that a beverage is green. Which Next Gen crew member makes that comment? Oh, gosh. <laughs> now that I brought it up and I'm trying to remember the details of it. Uh, Data? You are correct. It was Data. Steve has two. Moving on. The Omega Glory, Season 2, Episode 23, Production Code 054, Original Air Date March 1st, 1968. 
Directed by Vincent McAviti, written by Gene Roddenberry, music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Morgan Woodward as Captain Ronald Tracy, Ed McCready as Dr. Carter, Roy Jensen as Cloud William, Irene Kelly as Syrah, Lloyd Kino as Wu, David L. Ross as Lieutenant Galloway, Morgan Farley as Yang Scholar, Frank Atienza as Cone Villager, Frank Da Vinci as Security Guard, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, and William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley. <laughs> The Enterprise finds the USS Exeter still orbiting Omega-4 six months after it stopped communicating with Starfleet. Captain Kirk forms a boarding party with Spock, McCoy, and Lieutenant Galloway and beam over to find the ship deserted, with uniforms covered with crystalline substance found to be chemicals of the human body. The medical officer's last log warns anyone watching it they, they have been exposed to a disease and will die unless they go to the planet. Returning to their own ship would only spread the disease. Suppose we go on to the next subject. Which is... Why? Good. Direct. Succinct. Answer. No native to this planet has ever had any trace of any kind of disease. Adam likes this episode, so let's hear it. Convince me that this is a great episode. (laughs) You're mistaken, sir. I did not say it was a good episode. <laughs> I just said in the order of episodes I liked today, this was... Convince me, Adam, <laughs> that this is a mediocre ep- mediocre episode. This episode's good up until a point, and I'll get there. So the reason I, I, I found this episode more entertaining than the first one. I'm not saying it's a good episode because it veers off in weird, crazy land in the end. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but up until that, up until that point, I thought it was a pretty good. Crazy I, I, thought it, I thought it was I like a pretty that. good. Um, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I mean, you have a, um, you have a captain, uh, you know, who's lost his crew. He's on this planet and he's manipulating the planet, breaking the prime directive. So it's an interesting, and kind of an entertaining story premise that Kirk has to go up against this, this other captain. Not only that, he gets his ass kicked by this other captain. Oh, pardon me. I know we're not supposed to drop the A words here. But yeah, I mean, so it's it's entertaining. You have a lot of different fight scenes. I don't know if the story was inter- any any better, but it was just more of a better, to me, it was a better paced episode. It had a little bit more going on. And um, it was just, like I said, it was just more entertaining. Now, when they get to the United States stuff, it's just, I don't know. I just, to me, that's just lazy. Is it's that crazy land? It's crazy what, land. It's what, just, what point's crazy land? <laughs> that there, you would have another United States, you'd have another Constitution. To me, it was just a little too far-fetched, and mm. kind of just felt like lazy writing to me that they couldn't come up with something ri- more original. Well, Spock did say the parallel was almost too close. He said, "Yes, so. yes. that's how that was Hang their out." Point. So that's, yeah, that's how I that that's how I felt about this episode. Well, you know what? I'll agree with you that it's not it's not terrible for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it, it it just it just uh it's not it's not it's pretty bad and it just gets worse. It's just kind of this I mean, there's nothing it's 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 like it's like you take you took elements of other episodes and then like put them in a blender and then say, "Okay, now we're releasing it on July 4th in the middle of the Cold War and let's, you know, here we go." Or something, you know, it, it's it's just kind of it's tiresome i mean you know i mean it's it's wacky to begin with like haven't we seen all this kind of stuff before but better 
you know, yeah. early on in the episode. And then, yeah, by the time you get to the end, it's this long, drawn-out thing. It's like the latter third of the episode is in that one little room, and then it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And it's like, why? Why are you doing this? Why are they taking it this way? You know, it's just... So what I said, you know, what I said in the first... I thought the story in the first episode that we t- talked about um, was a better story. I just found mm-hmm. this episode more interesting. I'm not saying it a good episode. Yeah, like to to talk about the before it gets terrible parts. I um I I think what holds it back even then though is that it, this feeling that I have I've seen most of the stuff it does before. I've seen the I've certainly seen plenty of crazy captains. We've seen Enterprise sister ships that uh where all the whole the crew was dead and the you know the, our crew beams onto that ship and looks around. Um we've we've just we've seen so many of those bits and pieces. Even on the planet, um, we've kind of seen those multiple factions and stuff. But that, uh, but that's like I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not completely against the episode through the scene when Tracy is explaining to Kirk about the Fountain of Youth or whatever. It's somewhere around just after that when I start to when the episode really starts to go off the rails for me and. Even before that, though, there is there is the whole race thing that mm-hmm. we haven't talked about, but I don't remember it bothering me as a kid in the 80s, and that should say something both about 80s culture, <laughs> about where where our culture was at that time, and also where I grew up. But watching it now, I do think it's offensive. I mean, it's not like, oh my god, but I, I wouldn't want to play this for my five-year-old. I'll put it that way. I'd rather he was old enough to understand. I found it interesting, too, that they said, um, you know, because back in the 60s, it was, you know, I kind of felt it was more Russians, you know, but not yeah, necessarily but Kirk, the, the Kirk actually says, did you, did, he, he's, did he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he said yellow civilization, right? I don't remember I now for sure. I, I may have he said that. I may have blocked it out or something. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm pretty. This be. is like during the prison cell portion of this episode. Oh, I'm okay. pretty sure he says something. He says I remember. He I, I remember Asianic. The term Asianic dropped. Hmm. But yeah, but yeah, that's kind of when it got started. That's when things kind of started going off the rails because it's just because that's when they started hinting at you know the same thing could have happened on, on you know planet Earth. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, just it was just weird, and like I said, I like I was with this episode up until like that point, and you know. But I agree with you. No matter what you think of it, up until um, the July Fourth stuff, at that point, Crazy Land is the perfect word for it. Mm-hmm. It just goes. Uh, well, the words that come to mind are probably not things I can say on our podcast, but. Well, like I say, I mean, what was the name of the episode where they went to an identical Earth? That wasn't even as ridiculous as this. So yeah, that was like first season, right? Yeah, Miri, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of just why, why I don't. I, what, what's well, the... it's one of those things like Gene Roddenberry, right? Maybe because mm-hmm. they just did a Nazi episode a couple weeks before, and they had to. Get but this one feels like like Roddenberry. He was a genius at his creating. He was a genius at rewrites. He was a genius at doing rewrites really fast. But so much of the time when he would write scripts all by himself, I don't know. He's got these, he just has, he just gets things, certain things stuck in his head and then mm-hmm. they have to be in there. Yeah. 
that yeah that whole section uh, other than maybe having a couple of moments that provide some laughs i think whenever the guy does his like babble version of the pledge of allegiance (laughs) 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 that is kind of funny and it makes you laugh but if that same moment was three minutes later i don't think you would laugh because you'd already you'd just be too far gone (laughs) yeah um especially when they brought the flag out i'm like really and the music (laughs) yeah yeah. oh right yeah i happen to put um (laughs) yeah i mean it's yeah Hey, and then, just to be clear out there in, in internet land, we're not making fun of the United States. We're just making fun of its use in this episode. When Kirk starts explaining the words, we the people, that's when I'm, I'm just like, okay, that's it. I give up. I have no idea mm-hmm. what the hell this episode is about. I've got no clue. I can't even tell you what the story is anymore at this point. I'm even lost in the story, let alone any kind of deeper meaning. Uh, I really kind of give up at that point. Yeah, it's like it's like some. It'd be the equivalent of if Star Trek ran during like the bicentennial, you know, like in or something, and then and then someone decided, you know, wait, let's let's bring on the cast to commemorate the bicentennial in some weird way, and they just have to put it together in five minutes or whatever, you know. And that's what it's like, you know. It's like we the people and all this, and you know, it's these. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, to a point, this episode is about, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a prime directive episode, you know, interference into other civilizations and how, you know, you know, you have to, you know, Kirk has to arrest this guy or stop him from doing what he's doing. Or his what is that about? That You're just telling me the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a prime directive, interfering with other cultures. That's what I'm saying. It's a prime directive. It starts off as a prime, to me, it kind of starts off as a prime directive episode where you know you have these questions of interference and when do you interfere and when do you not interfere okay um there are those there are those discussions i think i'm i'm mccoy and kirk talked about that a little bit you know because you know this guy went crazy does he got to do what he's got to do so but like i said it just kind of veers off and you know when you get all the american stuff involved in it i don't really know what they're i guess the episode's about freedom i don't know was there a bible in there too i thought maybe maybe i don't know that sounds familiar for some reason but i can't recall why or when that happens yeah well yeah yeah when they were like showing this box the devil or something yeah <laughs> uh, okay. All right. and that picture of course in the bible where they got this uh you know illustrated bible like that i don't know but it was uh <laughs> It looks just like Leonard Nimoy too. Yeah. You know, it's it kind of does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that the fight between Kirk and, and Tracy has got to be the the lamest fight. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> yeah, well, like near the end. Up, yeah. yeah, when they go for the dagger. Yeah. The early stuff is kind of like just a mishmash of their usual odd moves, like the little chops and the pits and the, you know, and this kind of stuff. Pause, jerk. Pause. Yeah. That's and that's what Kirk says. Pause, jerk. <laughs> I mean, so, so so like I said, I mean, I to summarize, I'm like, you know, I got a little bit bored with the first episode. This one, I wasn't bored. I'll I'll give it that. So that's kind of just it, for some weird reason, it held my attention a lot closer than the first one, just because it's of, of its oddity. If I had to watch rewatch them over and over again, I probably wouldn't watch this episode. Well, I have to say, when I think about, even before we started rewatching the original series, 
or watching the original series, my memories were that this was like bottom of the barrel for me. Um, that there are certainly no other episodes that I dislike more. That's, I should word that differently. That I think are poorer. I think this is as poor of an episode of Star Trek as you can make, pretty much. Um, this is the original series equivalent to uh, Enterprise's the one with the lady running through the woods you know, <laughs> or DS9's Move Along Home. I remember, I I remember you being watch... a lot more upset with those episodes, though. You were yeah. very passionate and I'm upset. Right. Full because this, this is still... this. I would rather watch this episode than either of those two. <laughs> um, but this... This is as poor of an original series episode. I, remember, I, I think Steve and I had to calm you down during the Enterprise episode when you were tired. It's like, calm down. Calm. Oh, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's bad, but it's okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that says something then. Even the original series' poorest episode is still better than <laughs> than that. At least, if you're going to do it, go to just just go to bloody crazy town because yeah. you know what yeah. i'm always going to remember yeah um, the uh bonk the caveman holding an american flag <laughs> <laughs> i'm always going to remember that i think I, like i said uh, like steve i don't think i'll remember the music more yeah this the yeah well steve uh, adam kind of got to what he thought it was about do you have anything for what you think it's about no, nah, I mean, they may have been, like, shooting for a variety of things, but it's mostly just a big mess. And I, I don't think, you know, there, there is that freedom element. They definitely want, they're definitely hitting on the patriotism. They're definitely hitting on the, um, I don't know, yay for the underdog, yo, freedom. I don't know, but it's it, it just gets lost. There's not enough of that to counterbalance all the nonsense. And, yeah. And we're going to just leave the whole race thing alone <laughs> well i think uh, you know we understand why it is i mean we're not I, excusing I, I would, it. it's a product of the times we're not excusing it it's just... no it, but it is it, i mean it's one of the most of the i'm trying i'd have to like see what's the top 10 racist episodes of star trek I mean, that's a good <laughs> one for you but i mean it's got to be right up there i mean you yeah, know I don't, I, I don't think that's in in that star trek 101 book no no <laughs> But I, I was one thing I was struck by was they flat say. I mean, yeah, I don't remember all the lines. I don't remember the one thing you mentioned, for example, about the yellow thing. But I, I do remember when they say, the the Yangs look like us, the Combs or, or don't or whatever they said. And I was thinking, well, if Sulu was on the away mission, they might have well, except him. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I don't. I mean, that that was kind of like, oh, that was like the default into the white guy thing. You yeah. know, that's that's that was bothered me a lot. You know, it's kind of like, man, they're just. Yeah, what if our world was down there? Yeah, 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 I mean... All right, let's do six degrees for the Omega Glory. Steve has two. Uh, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Morgan Farley plays the Yang Scholar in Enterprise's... Uh, not in Enterprise, what am I saying? In the original series, first season. Uh, he played a guy that had a thing for Landrew, named the episode. Oh, yeah. Um... Jeez. The tip of my tongue. Gosh. It's just it's just not coming to me right now. I'm sorry, it's not coming to me. Adam? A thing for Landrew? Mm-hmm. Mm. Aaron of Mercy. Return of the Archons? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam, you get the hard one. Okay. 
Morgan Woodward plays Captain Tracy, the nutty guy that wants to live forever. In the original series' first season, he plays a doctor that escapes a penal colony in the episode Dagger of the Mind, Name His Character. Now, I'm asking this partially because they say his name so many bloody times in the episode, and it's a little bit memorable. But Dagger of the Mind. Remember, he's he plays the... It's, he's the crazy guy, and he spends most of the time in the sick, in the sick bay. I mean, he's only, he's only crazy because of all the crap they did to him on the penal colony. Typecast is crazy, apparently. Yep. Um, he's got that look, doesn't he? Is that the Dr. Adams? No. Steve? Uh, Van Gelder? Wow, good one. Van Gelder it is. No bonus points, but do you remember his first name? Simon? Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Uh, Steve has three. Moving on. The Ultimate Computer, Season 2, Episode 24, Production Code 053, Original Air Date, March 8, 1968, Directed by John Meredith Lucas, Story by Lawrence N. Wolfe, Teleplay by D.C. Fontana, Music composed by Saul Kaplan and Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Barry Russo as Commodore Robert Wesley, William Marshall as Dr. Richard Daystrom, Sean Morgan as Ensign Harper, Frank Da Vinci as Lieutenant Brent, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The Enterprise is summoned to a space station without explanation. Commodore Wesley, commanding a group of starships from his flagship, the USS Lexington, explains that the Enterprise will test a vessel will test a computer vessel for a revolutionary tactical and control computer called the M5 Multiltronic System. Designed by the brilliant Dr. Richard Datestrom, the M5 will handle all the ship's functions without human assistance. While Captain Kirk and Chief Medical Officer Dr. McCoy are unhappy about the test, Science Officer Spock is impressed with the M5. There are certain things men must do to remain men. Your computer would take that away. There are other things a man like you might do. Or perhaps you object to the possible loss of the prestige and the ceremony of court of the starship captain. The computer can do your job, and without all that. You'll have to prove that to me, Doctor. The Ultimate Computer. I really, really like this episode. I think this episode is excellent. Uh, I've always remembered it. It's fascinating that it's so good because it is essentially a bottle show with one excellent guest star. I think the actor playing Daystrom helps a lot because he's he's very passionate, but he still conveys intelligence. Uh, he certainly has a striking physical appearance. I like the interaction between all our primary characters. It's such a smart script to, to, to save money, but still good. For example, uh, a much more plausible reason to get rid of all the crew. <laughs> But I, I think the script is very strong. Uh, I love that you feel you feel the turn at just the right moment. Like you know, it's clearly about. It's very very clearly about something. It's very clearly about. Uh, we'll get into that later. But you know, um, people uh, mechanation causing job loss and and uh, you know Kirk feeling useless. And I think those scenes where he goes off and feels that way are excellent and. The very last one is the strongest of all, right after that whole Dunsell thing, which is an excellent little bit, too. My compliments to Captain Dunsell, and Spock explains that that's a term used by midshipmen in Starfleet Academy, referring to a part that has no purpose. And then the next scene is like McCoy kind of comforting Kirk, you know, 
uh, and that's as low as things get, and then the script turns, you know, right after that, with the perfect timing, uh, we get the computer going nuts, and <laughs> uh, so I, I've always really liked this episode, I think it's incredibly strong, and I think it's strong because it has a great script, and it relies entirely on our actors and one great guest star. Uh, Adam? Um, I would definitely agree, and it's and that's also an action-y episode. You know, you have um, you have this whole battle group going on. I mean, a lot more of the action takes place in the in the second half. Um, you got the cool effects that we get to see in this with the Enterprise battling with the other um, starships. Um, it's definitely, you know, like you said, it's definitely about something. You know, man versus machine. Um, I agree with you that the um, gentleman, what was his name, William. Uh, Marshall. Marshall, yeah, he did a great job. Um, you know, um, you know, and I, you know, I wanted to point out, you know, this is probably something. I don't know if this was, you know, you had a black man in a very authoritative position, smart, genius, you know, and that probably was a, you know, that was something that wasn't done as much back then. So that was something that Star Trek's, um, you know, been good about doing um so yeah this has a lot of positive things the episode moves really well it flows very well it's also edited very well the music's good um it's solid up and down yeah i think it's it's interesting because um well first off yeah the actor playing daystrom i mean not only does he convey the intelligence and the the depth and so on is that he also conveys that he's got that he's a bit unhinged i mean i I feel like very early on i mean of course you go in knowing what's going to happen but um, I feel like he conveys right off the bat that you know something isn't right here with him. You know he's not he's not got it all together. You feel, it, but it's not so much so that it telegraphs the whole thing. I don't think. You know, I think it's he's he, he conveys that he's he's just uneasy, even though he's very smart and and so on and so forth. I also think that it's interesting that in a way these these three episodes that we're that we're watching here. They kind of have interesting ties, and, I, and what I mean by that is, like, on one hand, you've got the Ultimate Computer and Omega Glory are kind of like on two ends of the spectrum, and not just in terms of, you know, I mean, it's subjective notion of quality, but also certain aspects of Trek. Like the Omega Glory we talked about, man, this has got a lot of problems with uh, racism and that kind of thing. They probably weren't even aware at the time that there was a problem with it when they were putting it together, but it does. Then you've got this, and as Adam pointed out, uh, you know, Daystrom, you know, one of the leading minds of his time, and he happens to be black. And this in the 60s, you know, we don't think twice about it now. In the 60s, that was no doubt a big deal. There were probably people that talked about it and, you know, and thought that was unusual or whatever. Um, and then also in the same vein, this, if you look at it along with the first episode, there are certain ties in the sense that the whole notion of the inevitability of what you get when you try to apply humanity to either something or someone that's not used to, to having those elements. You know, it's a lot to deal with, the emotions and the everything that comes with being human. And in the first episode, it was an alien race that decides to become human. And this, this one, you have a computer that gets the, the, the human element added and everything goes off off the tracks too and so i think altogether there's a lot of there are a lot of themes here that you can apply to that you see over and over again in, in the series well it's interesting too you talk about uh daystrom clearly has some issues um and maybe they're not those aren't as clear at the beginning but by the end it, it was a very reasonable explanation for his issues you know he had his 
crazy success when he was younger, and mm-hmm. then as he got older, he felt like people were talking behind his back, and he wasn't able to live up to that success. Um, and that's the person that put his, you know, engrams or whatever onto this computer. <laughs> so this yeah. computer has, it has these same, you know, it has these faults. Well, um, I kind of on a little side note, it's interesting, you know, you see the technology from, in this episode, you know, we're in, you know, say next gen, you could, we would see the ship be automated fully a lot of the times, you know, it was a lot of the times it was data taking over the ship and he would fully automate it. But it was just, I just kind of noticed that the difference between the, the different series, you know, there was a lot more automation going on in the newer series obviously because you know that's to me that's kind of like where society was going there's a lot more automation that kind of thing and then this episode kind of deals with that question you know there's a i I like the scene in the hallway between kirk and um mccoy i think it was a little bit earlier on you know mccoy's like nobody wants their job you know we feel sorry for the guy that gets his job taken away by the machine but it's different when it's you and so i thought that was um you know a, a very hits home with probably back then with automation going on and it definitely rev, reverberates till today you know it's like you know there's a lot of technologies that do our jobs for us that they didn't before so um it's just just in the concept that progress uh, means that a lot of these a lot of these fields even just aren't going to exist anymore and people that 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 was their job you know you're going to stand in the way of progress or Right, but that's that's easy to that's easy to say when it's not your job, which is what McCoy was getting at. I appreciate that as a concept. It is interesting, of course, that being a product of its time, the notion of what computers can do, should do, how they interact with people, and and again, we see that fear of technology. I mean, this one, this one's address. There's not many of these episodes. I don't, I don't recall this whole addressing it in terms of losing your job so much. Usually, it's just a fear of computers just taking over and wiping humanity out and whatever in some respect. And that's here too. You know, the notion of the cold-blooded, you know, decision making decisions that just disregard life and these kinds of ideas and that obviously was a a fear during this time people dwelled on that a great deal because you see it in several episodes of the original series and and then ultimately as good as this episode is you do have the cliche of talking the computer to death ultimately we have a talking the computer to death aspect of this so this is probably that's probably the shortest way yeah it's just subtly different though just so subtly Mm -hmm. talks the computer into shutting itself down and and then the climax is actually Kirk leaving the shields down so that uh, the admiral doesn't blow him away. So, right, you know, I, right. I agree. It's still this. This still counts as Kirk talking a computer to death, but it's just subtly different enough that I'll, I'll give him credit for that. So, Brian, you mentioned in the um, the first episode that we talked about today that it would, the ending seemed a little um, a little off. I kind of felt like that was the one little thing that I had about this episode. You know, it was kind of a lighthearted ending after. You know, basically everybody on the what was it, the Excelsior died, and a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. So oh, no, just... I'm thinking of the other one. Sorry, that's yeah. that's the last episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, even even I have had in my notes the red shirt that uh, the M5 kills in engineering. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the most throwaway kill ever. They're right. they're all standing mm-hmm. there. Hey, help out! Walks over there, dead, <laughs> and they just move right on. You know, I. I, I it's it's got to be the <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty bad. 
Yeah. It's pretty bad. You know, usually there's something. Something. Um, he cared more about the <laughs> the crushed up block from mm-hmm. uh, by any other name. Uh, so. Yeah, not only does it take no time, it takes, like, no effect. I mean, it's like you see the there's the effect of the energy beam going across, but they don't, like, you don't see him, like, glow and then vanish or yeah, decompose. He's just, or, just, just kind of, like, like cut to, you know, the next frame is he's not there, you know? It's like, okay. Yeah, Kirk's like, hey, he just killed one of my guys. <laughs> I think I think Daystrom's like, well, you know, it's not a problem. <laughs> We're bugs. That's what this trip is for. We're going to mm-hmm. work it out. Yeah, yeah. We all remember the police box. Do me a favor. Don't say it's fascinating. No, but it is interesting. Yeah, I forget yeah. that that's in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes you laugh. Yeah, yeah. What is this? I guess we've started. We've already kind of talked about it, but what is this episode about? We kind of got to know that already. Yeah, I think we're kind of, you know, man versus machine. You know, we can go into more depth if you want about that. Or if you want to, Steve, I think I mentioned that before. So I'll let Steve talk about man versus machine. Yeah, well, I think, like I said, I think there this is uh, indicative of that kind of underlying fear of uh, mechanization, um, advancement, and so forth. And I think it's also, though, uh, showing the limitations, or at least it's implying that there are limitations that, you know, only, um, you know, humanity and uh, intelligence and subjective judgment can, you know, can fill in the holes, you know, that pure you know, power, speed, logic, that kind of thing can't totally replace what, you know, what humans offer in the equation. So I like that, you know, Spock is saying positive things about both Daystrom and the M5, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. half of the episode. And then seemingly out of nowhere, yeah, uh, he says to Kirk, computers are great servants, but I have no wish to serve under one. Those ship I'm paraphrasing, but he's something like a starship runs under loyalty to one person. That's the captain. Mm-hmm. And I like that because the second Spock says that, first of all, you realize, okay, you know, nothing he said before. It felt like he was in support of all this. But really, when you look back and you think about those comments, those were entirely supportive uh, or in keeping, rather, with who Spock is. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just flat out saying, yes, the ship should be run, run by computer. So it's not out of left field, first of all, and it's it seems actually pretty in keeping with his character, and I like that that moment is there. Mm-hmm. I also wondered if like there was some element of the kind of that that hidden empathy in Spock and the friendship he has for Kirk too, because in a way he's got to be perceiving that yeah. Kirk's struggling, you know, and so that would be the time to say something like that. I, I'm glad that it was McCoy that comes to him, just because. We have plenty of Kirk Spock moments, right. but I do kind of wonder how that same scene would have played out, uh, the, the scene where McCoy brings Kirk a drink, uh, if it had been Spock instead. Mm. Green alcohol, too, by the way. Mm. Green, you they can't get up. enough of that green. <laughs> All right, uh, so for me, a fantastic episode that I'll be watching forever. I say that a lot in the original series, so that's probably why we're still watching it 50 years later. Let's do six degrees for the ultimate computer. I believe Steve has three. Adam? Yes. Barry Russo plays Commodore Wesley, the guy that decides not to destroy the Enterprise. In the original series' first season, he played a security officer on the Enterprise who is part of the team assigned with finding a creature that has killed 
Miners. Name the episode. Oh. Is that, um... I know, I'm probably gonna get this one. Is that The Enemy Within? No. Steve. Um, yeah, I'm trying to... For some reason, I'm blanking on the uh, title here. I remember the, the creature. Um... God, what's the deal here? Yeah, this one you guys are going to hit yourselves for. Yeah, I, I, for some reason I'm blanking on the title right now. I remember the Horta, I remember the eggs, I remember the... The Devil in the Dark. Right, right, that's right. Okay, uh, Steve, Sean Morgan plays Harper, the security officer that M5 zaps away rather quickly. He just played a pseudo-Nazi soldier in an episode we discussed a couple weeks back. Name it. Uh, Patterns of Force. Very good. Uh, Steve, uh, yeah, Steve's got it for the day. He whipped me. Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. I guess in two weeks, yeah, we're going to be finishing out original series season two. Sounds like Discovery is actually the last in the last couple of weeks. The news we've had is sounds like Discovery is actually going to premiere this fall. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now that they've avoided the rider strike, it seems even more safe. Uh, so hopefully that actually happens. Yeah. So that's exciting. And that's all I got. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thank you for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. I passed it.